This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by the new film Mother, a new psychological thriller from Darren Aronofsky, the director of Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. A couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Starring Academy Award winners Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem, and Academy Award nominees Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. Mother arrives in theaters September 15th. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast, coming to you from the mountains of Telluride, Colorado, where Ann Thompson and I are sitting on a bench, sweating in the sun, although it could get rainy at any moment, given the, the nature of the weather here. And Telluride's an unpredictable environment in more ways than one, in spite of the fact that uh, there's a lot of stuff we kind of figured out in advance from this lineup. It really did just sort of drop into our laps on Thursday, and what we got was this hodgepodge of highly anticipated fall season movies potential discoveries, and a couple of things that we're already starting to hear about. So we're not going to dig too much into the movies that we can't wait to see here that nobody's talking about because by the time some people listen to this, it's going to be everywhere. However, there are a few major movies here that uh, premiered in Venice, and I think it's worth acknowledging that uh, that buzz is only going to get louder with these movies coming here. So first and foremost is Alexander Payne's Downsizing. This is a movie I can't wait to see. A lot of people can't can't wait to see. It's kind of his passion project. But what's interesting is that it opened the Venice Film Festival, huge high-profile slot for this Paramount movie, and now it's coming to Telluride where he's basically a god. So when you think about the boost that a festival like this can provide for somebody like that, it's kind of uh, un- unrepeatable. I mean, Telluride has a very unique identity for certain kinds of filmmakers who are sort of part of its club, and, th- and no other festival really has that, right? The other people who are members of the club are also here are Errol Morris, of course, with Wormwood, this Netflix uh, series where he actually has actors uh, working uh, on the movie, and you can talk about a little more about that later. That's starting today at 11 a.m., and it's going to play for, like, four hours. Um, I just want to say it's amazing how you have these people who buy these passes who have no idea what the, what the schedule is going to be like, and they just show up, and they will totally commit to go watching Errol Morris miniseries on a Friday afternoon having no idea that they were in for that beforehand. I mean, the way in which people process this festival, especially non-industry people, is really unique because they just kind of go with whatever the programming is. Well, it's Labor Day weekend and it's in the Rockies and I came out on the uh, charter plane from Los Angeles and it really felt like summer camp. It was this Delta flight and everybody was in a good mood and they were drinking and they were having fun. I heard something about gift bags. There were a, a swag bag uh, which you know had chocolate and and you know healthy bars and all the usual uh, you know candles and, and the New Yorkers that. really missed out the only time they ever had a charter from New York as far as I can recall was when the Coen brothers came out so we didn't have that kind of talent coming up from the east this year so another movie that uh, is, is coming in with Venice Buzz is The Shape of Water and it's so great to hear that Guillermo del Toro has made a movie that has that kind of uh, support for I mean, we talked about this before. Everything he does, I think, is commendable on a certain level because he's a great craftsman, he's a great artist, he's a great thinker. And, uh, you know, even something like Pacific Rim, not our kind of movie, you can respect it on a certain level. But Shape of Water just sounds like this fascinating return to the Pan's Labyrinth kind of fantasy romance territory, and he's long overdue for that. 
Absolutely, and I'm so happy for him. He's one of these ebullient, naturally gifted filmmakers who has been in and out of the studio system, and this return to his sweet spot is something that a lot of us have been looking forward to. And the word from Venice also is that Sally Hawkins, who plays a mute lab worker who gets involved with a lab experiment, uh, a water experiment, an Aquaman, played by Doug Jones, who's a Guillermo del Toro regular, um, it sounds like we've got something there. The other movie that's going to play tonight that everybody's talking about, and what you get on the plane, too, is the Telluride Watch. And so all the movies that are playing here have someone writing about them, and Francis Coppola wrote about uh, the Cotton Club Encore, it's called, which is playing here. Uh, he recut the movie completely. Uh, he went back, on a, he found it on a Betamax tape, the original cut, the first longer cut by about 27 minutes, and he watched it and realized that the movie played way better than the one that he had nibbled down, cut down and released, and so he went to Technicolor, and they got together, and they used they couldn't get the negative for the original stuff that was lost, and so they used the work print, and they digitized it at a great expense he paid 500 thousand dollars of his own money for this there's I, I interviewed him and there's a story on it coming up yeah it's it's a fascinating story too because coppola is somebody he's part of the telluride family he's got a long time history with tom luddy and it's a really interesting way to kind of relaunch a movie that you know of a, people past a certain generation probably don't even know this film even if they're big francis ford coppola fans and the idea of him being able to kind of relaunch it here maybe get it back into theaters is, is kind of an interesting contrast to what the newer films are doing. You know, the stakes are different. This sounds like the most interesting thing Coppola's got on his plate in years. I mean, he hasn't even made a movie in a while. The other interesting thing about it is that what they were nibbling out of it at the time, back in 1984, was the, all the, all the African-American stuff. He actually was told there were too many blacks in the movie. And so Gregory Hines, the great late Gregory Hines, had a, a parallel story to the Richard Gere story, and they were even. And so he's restoring that balance. So I can't wait to see that. The other thing that's playing today is Darkest Hour. Again, in the program, David Thompson wrote this really good piece about why Gary Oldman is so good in this. And it isn't just that it's Winston Churchill. That he's got the jowls down and everything. It's not, you know, so many people have played Winston Churchill. from, And John Lithgow is so good as Winston Churchill. But he was very much at the end of his life, very doddering. That... This guy's more like 65, and what De Thompson remembers from growing up in Britain is that, is that Churchill was, was, was always sort of out of it, always a little bit crazy. And so it's him facing up against the Nazis, and that's one of the reasons why Gary Oldman may be perfect casting for this. So I just can't wait, and I'm a fan of Joe Wright's. And of course, this is the, the playing into the Oscar conversation in a big way in Gary Oldman's favor. I was talking to somebody who'd seen the movie yesterday who was saying it'll be fascinating to see how people draw uh, parallels or contrasts between this movie and Dunkirk in the sense that they're sort of on the same World War II timeline, but one is sort of backroom plotting and the other is action. And it's possible that given the way that award season conversations you know, sort of percolate rather than being complimentary, one could kind of suck the air out of the other one. So, I'm curious to see how that goes. Of course, we all know that 
um, in atonement, Joe Wright delivered the ultimate, I think. I'm a, I'm a fan of the single take on the beach at Dunkirk, uh, which I think is one of the great tour de force long takes ever. Uh, some people don't think so. They think he was showing off or, or something, but I thought it worked really well. Joe Wright shows off a lot, let's be clear. <laughs> I think maybe this is the movie, after a lot of movies, that were almost there. He, the thing about him that I like is that he's ambitious. Yes, I think his best movie that I've responded to, and most people disagree with me about this, is Hannah. You like Hannah. I thought Hannah was the first time I, first of all, I saw, I saw it, people were talking about the lack of female-driven action movies, and all. here's this great badass performer who's at the center of this movie that allows her to do all this great stunt work, and it's really well done. I hope it comes back and people talk about it if they're talking about Joe Wright this That's Oscar season. That's a good season. idea, and we should, we should do that. We should actually go back and revisit all his films, um, which is one of the things we get to do at IndieWire, which is fun. Um, and Saoirse Ronan is here. Right, uh, speaking with, of which. Yes, and she's here in um, Lady Bird, which um, Greta Gerwig was interviewed in the Telluride Watch, talking about how she got to cast uh, an extraordinary group of actors in this. Uh, and Laurie Metcalf plays Sir Sharona's mother. It, it's a case where having worked with her uh, partner Noah Baumbach and having um, written and, and, and done some shorts and everything, uh, Greta finally decided that this script, which is personal to her, was the one she was going to direct. And let's be clear, she may sound like somebody who's kind of been on the scene for a while, but she's still pretty young. She's at a good spot to make her debut as a filmmaker. I mean, I think it's sort of interesting when people who, who are known as actors do that. I mean, Angelina Jolie is here with First I Killed My Father. She's been making movies for a while, and I think actually has found her filmmaking voice if you actually look at the body of work just like that, but people still talk about Angelina Jolie, the actor who makes movies. Greta Gerwig is not quite at that point, so I think it's, she's actually very well positioned if this movie plays well to kind of announce her arrival as a filmmaking talent, even though she did technically co-direct Nights and Weekends with Joe Swanberg, but that was a universe apart from what this is. One of the things she said in the interview was that she's been uh, a theater person, a film person, you know, doing props, doing all the different things she could do in every way on all these movies all along, and uh, so she learned a lot. And, and it, was, it was fun to listen to her talk about acting and how these actors, Lois Smith is in this too, who's also so good in Marjorie Prime. Um, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see this, obviously. Now, the horrible thing about this festival, much as I love it, is that they program the first takes on these movies against each other. Yeah, it's a clusterfuck. And we don't know until we get that scheduled how bad that grid is going to look, but we're all kind of in it together. You know, so what's what's nice about it is that by the end of the weekend, if you're really ambitious, you can see most of what you want to see, and the stuff you don't see that you want to see, you're you're even more keen on doing so. But and then you go to Toronto, and you can maybe see it there, or New York, or all these different things. But it's impossible to be first. Right. You have to make a choice between Darkest Hour and Lady Bird. Yeah. What 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 a difficult life I must lead to have to make these kinds of decisions in the middle of the the mountains in Colorado. Luckily, so. Luckily, Shape of Water is tomorrow. That's true. Shape of Water is tomorrow, and it's going to be an interesting one to see who shows up for that one versus whatever else is up against it. I mean, probably it's going to be a hot ticket. But again, you have to think about you know who's going to that movie here versus the different kinds of clientele that come to this festival who might be interested in seeing that something completely off the radar. Well, you for know? you, if it's already been reviewed in Venice, then you can go to see something else. Yeah, but I'm probably going to see Shape of Water, let's be at clear. At some point, at some, at some point, at some point. But I don't have to be first. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting about this festival is the environment. 
is um, so different from anything else you see. It doesn't feel like a film festival. I often describe it as being in somebody's backyard with great VIP access. In fact, we're about to go run up the hill, catch a shuttle to the opening day picnic, which kind of is the essence of that. It's just like a giant gathering of all these people. And So before we go, I think we should just briefly touch on why that's so valuable in award season, how this festival, even if Julie Hunsinger is doing an interview in Vanity Fair where she says that she doesn't care about the Oscar cloud of these films, why this festival has that element. Julie may say that because it's the politically correct thing to say. And it makes them sound better. (laughs) She also likes to say that they don't have world premieres here uh, because they don't play the game of announcing their their shows ahead of time. But the truth of the matter is that they do get the bead on on Toronto, which has messed up uh, the heads of the Toronto uh, directors a lot. But in fact, it's it's a momentum-building thing. And the reason why so many people are here in Telluride is, A, they program impeccably and they curate impeccably they pick well and last year bleed for this was was not one of the contenders so it's not inevitable for example if you were to look at scott cooper's hostiles and make too much of it being here mm-hmm. it's really here because it gives them an opportunity to do a christian bale tribute it doesn't well, it makes you wonder yeah. a distributor yet yeah exactly it makes you wonder i mean is it were there a few people that they considered and this is what they landed on or did they need to have christian bale here they obviously wanted to have an actor here because they have ed lockman getting that other tribute so they need to have somebody of a certain stature. So there is a puzzle that they put together like, like Cannes or any other festival with certain elements, and you have to read the tea leaves a certain way. I love Scott Cooper's work, and I'm looking forward to seeing the movie, but it may not even come out this year. Well, but the other thing is, if Scott Cooper or Christian Bale have a serious awards contender next year, the fact that they did this for them now only helps the odds of it being a launch pad here. The Telluride Toronto thing, which people aren't talking about quite as much anymore, was kind of fascinating to watch that unfold a few years ago when the basically Toronto created this loose policy that if a movie plays in Telluride, it's not in Toronto on the first weekend. That seems to have kind of settled into this really interesting dynamic where if you have an Oscar movie that plays in Venice and then goes to Telluride, it can kind of get just a little extra bump from Toronto, but it doesn't need that opening weekend because the Venice Telluride push is sufficient in a way to kind of get that initial wave going. And some some movies have been skipping Toronto and going to New York, especially if they were in Canton, you know. So so I think the other, by the way, the other people who are here who are Telluride regulars are, you know, Werner Herzog, who's showing even Dwarves Start Small, one of his old classics. With jo- it's a program by right. Joshua Oppenheimer, who's the guest curator this year. And the, but they, they try to make a place for Werner. Let's, of let's be Look, honest. They named a theater after <laughs> him. He basically lives here. <laughs> and then, and then the other, um, the the other, the other person, of course, uh, besides Alexander Payne, is Ken Burns, who's going to be showing two episodes from Vietnam, the series that's coming up on PBS. I always want to make time for all these deep dives into American culture that Ken Burns provides. He's, he seems on some level like the great chronicler of American history, and, and I often don't make the time, but I really want to get into this one. I've, I talked to somebody who watched most of it and, and was telling me that it's just really, really dark. You know, that a lot of his, his shows, there ends up being some sort of a patriotic or more positive spin towards the end, and this one is, is obviously not quite so easy to do that with. I saw the pilot, and it's extraordinary. 
it's but he does use Peter Coyote as the narrator, mm. and there's something about Peter Coyote, Coyote's voice that puts me right out. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, but it does, it's got Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing a, a ska soundtrack, so you, there's something that feels a little bit different about that too. So the other thing that I think is really neat about this festival is that if you came here as a total, let's say, I don't want to say amateur, but somebody who is uh, not necessarily a part of the industry. But you, you had a connection, maybe you know Tom Luddy or, or other people who are involved with the festival or local connections or whatever, year after year, you would have a very different understanding of what international cinema is than if you were just somebody who goes to see movies on the weekends, wherever you happen to be and whatever happens to come to you. And there are people like that here. You said Pablo, that Pablo Lor- uh, Lorraine is coming back, right? Yeah, Pablo Lorraine and, and his brother, they have a production company called Fabula out of Chile, and they produced A Fantastic Woman, which is this uh, Chilean film with a transgender uh, actress at, at its center. Likely um, entry. Yeah, it seems like the the likely Oscar submission and Sony Pictures Classics putting it out. It played in Berlin and was very well received. And Spash and Lelia, who previously made Gloria, also has another film in Toronto. Uh, it's the first English language film uh, with Rachel McAdams called Disobedience. So this is a big fall for him. So those kinds of people, they keep coming back and sort of are able to use Telluride as an essential platform for whatever it is that they have cooking up. Okay, Eric, let's go to lunch. Let's go climb the hill and, and adjust to the altitude even more. Talk to you soon, Ann.